Did you know that you can stream the best of HBO shows and more with the new Astro? Better than before, no rain interruptions, no repeats, just stream anytime and on demand via the Astro Ultrabox. It starts from only RM5990 a month and you can find out more information at astro.com.my. You're listening to the Goggler Podcast, Bahir and Uma with you and today we couldn't be happier to talk about La Luna, which is a brand new Malaysian movie that the both of us absolutely love. This is a rarity, mind you, which is why we're so excited to be able to make this recommendation. You will hear joy in our voices when we're talking about this Malaysian movie. And I will not be angry. But he will not be angry. Sorry, I will be very angry after watching this film because the state of the other films that we have to watch. That is true. So there'll be other reasons for Bahe to be angry. But anyway. Yes. But he won't be angry at this movie. Correct. Because it is truly fantastic. This one is written and directed by M. Raihan Halim. It is a story about a sleepy, passionless village which is ultra-religious. It's got strict Muslim rules, and then suddenly things begin to change with the arrival of Sharifa Amani in a lingerie shop called La Luna. The conceit is very simple, and the story itself you may have seen many, many times before. It is that notion of a small town in which its denizens and its way of life changes because of the sudden appearance of something or someone. Pleasantville, local hero, there are tons of examples in cinema. But I think what makes this movie stand apart, not just its local sensibility, but also the way in which that story is executed is done beautifully. It is written well, it is performed well, it is directed brilliantly. Everything about this movie works. And that, mind you, is something that we don't say often about local film. What's more, it fulfills that criteria that we're constantly talking about, where even the most derivative work can be made to feel fresh, and original by way of writing and acting and storytelling. And I think that's what Raihan Halem does incredibly well in this. La Luna sings. It's perfectly paced. It's perfectly toned. The performances by all the actors are restrained and controlled and pitch perfect. Nobody ever stumbles into stupidity. There are light moments perfectly balanced with dramatic moments. Uh, dramatic moments that are not overly dramatic. There is a real cinematic experience when you're watching La Luna that you probably haven't seen in a very, very long time in Malaysian cinemas for a Malaysian film. For me, this is a true spiritual successor to the works of P. Ramli. Oh, yeah. In the way it balances that tone between comedy and seriousness and drama and chaos and Malaysian-ness, all of that is balanced really well in this 108 minutes, right? There is so much that happens. There are so many characters and threads and it doesn't feel overwrought or overstuffed. At the end, everything just kind of makes its way to where it always should go and where it always should be. Yes, the film P. 
plays out in a very, I wouldn't say predictable way, but dependable way, right? This is exactly what you want from this movie. The way the movie ends is exactly where you want it to be. There are no real surprises here, but I don't say that in a bad way. I think the movie really satisfies your need for a good story, for an emotional story, for good characters delivering great lines. And I want to pull you back on something you said earlier about how this movie is a great indication of Malaysian-ness and, and all that. I agree with you, but I actually would go a step further and say it's a beautiful encapsulation of what a Malay movie can be and should be. A Malay movie doesn't have to be only for the Malays. I think you enjoyed it. I know your wife enjoyed it. Me and my wife loved this film. And yet, it isn't a Malay movie that excludes everybody else. Despite the cast being entirely Malay. Yes, exactly. I did not have a problem with that at all. Absolutely. You know why? Because I, for one, am completely fed up of local productions feeling like they need to hit the right quotas and casting the token Chinese person and token Indian person who end up playing the fucking token Chinese person yes. and token Indian person. Those random diversity fixed characters don't play a part in the thing. They become the token joke character, right? Correct. Or look at the crazy Chinese uncle doing crazy Chinese uncle things. Meanwhile, in this one, it tells what is quintessentially a Malay story addressing quintessentially Malay problems which actually speak to the larger Malay problems faced by this country as a whole. Yes, this village, Kampong Bras Basa, is someplace small in Kuala Pilar or wherever, but it is a microcosm of everything that the Malays are facing right now in Malaysia. And I think that's why this movie isn't just Oh, a fun, comedy, dramatic romp. I think mm. it actually has something interesting and something serious to say about religion, about sex, about intimacy, about relationships, about living together as a community. And it does it so beautifully well. It is what those classic P. Ramli movies used to do so well. They were comedies, sure. Incredibly funny comedies, but they always had this underlying message that was important and nuanced and told us something about ourselves. But I also want to say that this isn't a message movie. Not at all. All the words we're using to describe this film are all the words we would use when we're talking about a bad Malaysian film, right? It's a movie with a message. It's only Malays in this. <laughs> no Chinese or Indian people. And the reason I love La Luna so much is because it does all of the right things with all of those potential issues for other films. Yes. It does it in the right way. It addresses all the problems correctly. It doesn't address it the right way. It addresses it correctly. In a Malay movie where they're talking about intimacy, a Malay movie that's talking about the intimacy, not between partners, but between a married couple. We're not even doing anything remotely controversial here. They're talking about the intimacies between a man and his wife or a wife and her husband, right? So there's nothing problematic here at all. But also in so many 
movies that we see, whether it's action movies or horror movies, local movies, I mean, sex is always used as a crutch, right? A character is raped and killed. It is used mm. as a motivation for the lead to get justice or go mm. on a revenge quest or something yeah. like that. I can't remember the last time I've seen a mainstream Malay movie where sex and intimacy was discussed in a positive light, was discussed as something good, was actually portrayed as something healthy. Yeah. And all of that happens in this film. It's not what this film is about, but it's actually a key component that builds up this story of Malaysia and depicts our people for who they actually are. Yes. And that's our biggest complaint, right? Whenever we watch a local film, we're always talking about how it fails to depict reality. Mm. Some of it has to do with the rules, the arbitrary rules that are set up by LPF and FINAS and all of these people. And some of it just has to do with the fact that people are afraid to tell those stories. Mm. I think what Raihan has done is actually taken a bold step in telling that story and telling it well. Yes. I have seen Shahezi Sam this year in four movies. Mm. Polisivo 3, Malbat, Tiger Stripes, and La Luna. All four roles completely different from one another. In all four movies, he is often the best thing in the movie. Mm. And I think he might be the great Malaysian actor that no one's really talking about. Like he's a popular celebrity. Yeah. And he pulls in the crowds for sure. But I don't think enough people are talking about what a great actor he actually is. You know what it is? I will say it's because invariably he hasn't been given meaty enough roles. Roles that allow him to do more than just be the comedic element or the topless shitless guy or the action hero guy. In La Luna, I thought I would have trouble seeing Shahizi Sam as a father. But that first scene when he's in the Tok's house with his daughter, I was like, no, yep, I get it. No, completely. I'm absolutely on fucking board. Can I also say, all of these actors, everyone in this movie, Shahizi Sam, Shaifa Amani, Idil, we've seen them in bad movies. Yes. And we've seen them overact a lot of times. Yes, yes. And I think this movie is a testament to what a good director can do and how important good direction is in bringing out fantastic performances from your actors. Yeah. There is a yeah. moment when Wan Hanafi Su is confronting Idil. Idil is the imam. Wan Hanafi is the top, the big man in the kampong. And it's a beautifully shot scene and he's walking towards him and pushing him back by his sheer physical presence until he hits a wall. In the hands of a lesser director, it would have been a shouting match between Wan Hanafi Su and Idil. In lesser hands, that scene is played as wah wah. Look at Idil pushed up against the wall by an older man. How funny is this? <laughs> wah, okay, there wah, is that wah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like they'll play some shitty fucking sound library music and go, wah, wah, wah. Look at this young imam be pushed aside by this old man. Ha, ha, ha. And you know what the problem is with that, with playing it that way? The scene is lost. The entire conversation, because that conversation is important. That conversation is one Hanafi Susto literally laying down the law of the land to this new imam who he has brought in himself, right? He's brought in a young imam to be a 
quote-unquote religious leader to the kampung, but his version, one Hanafi Su's version of a religious leader to the kampung. Idil's own personality is told to not come out because one Hanafi Su wants the imam to read this way. There's a storyline between Nadia Nisa and Hisham Hamid that is played out really well. It is a storyline that we've seen many times, but the way it's executed in this movie is subtle and nuanced and just smart. It's not melodramatic. You know what it is? It's because in less... (laughs) Again, we're going to keep repeating this because in lesser hands, this film would be torn between those two storylines, right? The storyline of Shahizi Sam and Sharifa Amani, who will be forced into a love relationship situation and this dramatic Pa'at and Yam role. This relationship that is not healthy. Not in a healthy place at all. And I think in lesser hands, the story would be drawn between these two. We'll suddenly see scenes of, you know, Yam at home with Pa'at threatening her. We don't need that, right? You said earlier about the way this movie ends and that is completely earned because the ending involves those two storylines, but yet it is earned without having been forced on the audience. There are so many things that we will take for granted in a Hollywood production that we often don't even expect from a Malaysian production. In trying to solve a mystery towards the end of the film, the resolution of that mystery is completely earned and foreshadowed throughout the movie. Yes, You may not see it coming, but when it happens, it is completely understandable and acceptable. And you go, oh, of course, that makes complete sense. Because it didn't just come out of nowhere. It wasn't some stupid ex machina thing. It wasn't just a way to tie up this story or create a villain out of nothing. No, all of that existed for a reason and it was foreshadowed and it was played out incredibly well. The production design on this thing is incredible. Everything from... La Luna itself, the shop and the house, the kampong house in which it's housed, to little touches like Idil's clothes matching the look of a bird in a cage because they're both caged birds, right? I mean, like little things like that. They're both animals that have not been allowed to spread their wings because of Tok. Exactly. And all of that stuff is so intricate and well thought out. It's all in this movie. And and I was thinking about why this movie feels different. Why does it look different? Why does it sound different? Why does it have a different sensibility? I think I may have an answer for you. Go. M. Raihan Halim is a Singaporean Malay. Yes. I believe that his approach to this movie as a minority within that country gives him a different perspective on the Malay experience. I think... If you are Malay and you are making movies in Malaysia, there is a certain amount of privilege and arrogance and all of that stuff that comes with it. Mm. I think it's like white people in Hollywood, man. There's a lot of time when they don't think about that stuff because they've never had to. Yeah. So every time I listen to those interviews when they talk to old white directors, for example, and they say something that is so out of touch with 2023. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think it comes from a place of malice. I think it comes from a place of complete and utter ignorance because of your privilege. 
Mm. You're the king of the world. You don't have to think about these things. And yeah. being a minority in Singapore, being a Malay minority in Singapore, offers you a completely different experience. It will trigger, I think, a completely different POV. I'll be honest, I don't know that many Singaporeans. And I think I cannot make a comment to that. But if that is true, and if your standing of that is correct, then I say bring them over here. Let them make more Malay movies here because the Malay movies we make here are terrible. So please, give me better shit because this movie is fan-fucking-tastic. I agree with you in some ways in that there is a different sensibility in the way he sees the Malay experience. And and I truly, absolutely fucking lutely appreciate that. I think, I think La Luna isn't burdened by, oh, can we talk about sex between a married couple? You know what it is? In a lot of ways, it it feels like watching old episodes. Well, they're all old episodes. But watching episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show and Dick Van Dyke and his on-screen wife share separate beds. They don't sleep in the same bed, right? It's this idea that on TV, even though they're a married couple, we cannot show them sleeping in the same bed because, oh my God, think of the children. It's it's what they kind of recreated in WandaVision. Yes. I have to admit, when I was watching this movie, the moments when they were talking about sex between a married couple I was like oof is LPF going to have a problem with this it's, it's the stupidest comment I can make but yet I live in this country where the LPF will make stupid comments right not only will the LPF make stupid comments but Malaysians on Twitter will make stupid comments they'll be like oh you can't show Namron trying to get down with his wife I'm like but it's his wife it's a joke they don't ever even get remotely sexy on screen You don't have to go to Twitter, my friend. I think even Malaysian journalists at a press conference end up asking ridiculously stupid questions about these things. Yeah. So it's not just idiots on Twitter. I think that is the problem. There is nothing in this film or even in the making of this film that will be a problem from a religious point of view, right? The smartness in which Raihan chooses to depict sex and intimacy in this movie, seduction. There is a sequence between Namron and Farah Ahmad. Hang on, hang on. Is, are we talking about the, the first sequence? The first sequence. Oh my God. I was just going to bring that up. I love it so much. It is so smart. It is so beautifully executed. She's squatting. She's using a pestle and mortar, which in itself is phallic. But there's no close-up on the pestle and mortar. It, nope. you, you just know what she's doing, right? She's, she's pounding, right? Pound, she's it. pounding, <laughs> phrasing, <Hey. laughs> but she's pounding the sambal or tumis, whatever, right? She's sweating and all you can see is the bra strap of the lingerie set that she just bought. It's enough. You know exactly what's happening. The look on Namron's face tells you everything you need to know. Also, can I just say another genius move, not casting comedic actors, but dramatic actors to play this part because yet again, in the hands of a comedy director, it may have gone the wah-wah-wah route, but it doesn't here. There's no 70s bass music, you know, porn thing, right? But also the comic timing is so good. Like there is a moment when Farah Ahmad goes, who wants to be naughty, raise your hand. And the comic timing of Namron as he raises his hand is perfect. It is pitch perfect. The look on his face and the raising of the hand yes. is beautiful. But also, also prior to that, the, going back to that first sequence, it's when Farah Ahmad turns to Namron, the husband, right? And I think it's worth 
pointing out that even this, even in this small moment, there is a setup that Namron is, I wouldn't call him an absent father. He's coasting through life. He's coasting through his relationship, right? He's got a son who's in high school, uh, getting into a little bit of trouble, but that's that's the mother's issue. I'm just going to sit here, watch TV and fall asleep, right? It's what he does. And I think just that bit, which is I think the first sequence you see in the entire movie, establishes Namron as that character. He's not absent. He's just coasting through the relationship, the family life. But yet, at that moment when he sees that red brass strap and then his wife, Farah Ahmad, turns to him and goes, Abang Lapaka. Oh, oh no. Boom. Perfect. I, I, it's all I needed. Me and my wife were on the floor laughing. We were laughing our ass off. It's, yeah. it's perfectly timed. She's sweating. She looks up and she goes, Lapa bang. And you just go like, what the fuck? Perfect. The editing is on point. The timing is yeah. gorgeous. Oh, this movie sings. I love it so much. I want the Blu-ray of this movie. It's so good. Yeah, we need a Blu-ray of this movie, man. That's what we need. I, I, I also want to just bring up, like, Idil is in this movie. Idil Zuri Alauddin. And he plays uh, the Ustaz, or the Imam for the small village mosque. And he's not in it a lot. Admittedly, I was a little surprised. It's one of those things. Again, in the hands of a lesser director, that character will be played by a B-rated actor. Not in the sense that the B-rated actor is not very good, but just in the sense that... You don't want a big name like that for yeah, such a small part. Yeah, for a small part, right? But I think having Edel there draws attention to it. You're constantly wondering why is Edel there? And it's because you have Edel's scenes are with one Hanafi Su. You need a strong actor to play off of that, right? You need a strong actor who's got on-screen persona and an on-screen presence even as the meek Ustaz Fauzi, the Ustaz who's trying to not shake it up in the kampung, but just trying to make his job more interesting for the people in the kampung. Like he genuinely wants to serve the people. He wants to serve the people in the best way he knows how to within the scope of his religion and his role, right? There's a great scene early on when one Hanafi Su returns Ustaz Fauzi's sermon for the Friday prayers and it's got all these like markings in red ink about scratches and nose and don't do this and don't do that. And one Hanafi Su's to Hassan says, oh, are you trying to make God's message entertaining? Are you trying to make it entertainment? Because this is religion, this isn't entertainment. But Ustaz Fauzi's point of view is, I'm not trying to make it entertainment. I'm trying to make it interesting so that people at least fucking listen. Because if not, the message doesn't get transferred. So there's no point. I think all of that is done. It's got all the politics of religion and age and, and seniority and the ideas of respect and respecting elders and all that. And it's just done it in a very beautiful short sequence that immediately sets up that relationship, that immediately sets up the dynamic of those two people. I think the other person that really needs a shout out is Shumaila Salihin, who plays Azura, Crazy yes. Sam's daughter. She is absolutely fantastic. In yes. This. There is such a natural way in which she presents herself. She is immediately believable as this rebellious teenage kid who still understands the limits of her rebellion. Yeah. Like she's still respectful when she needs to be. Yeah. But she has her own mind and she has her own voice and she's not afraid to use it. And I think that balance is so beautifully presented because it could come off as incredibly annoying. But also I think, and this goes back to the writing, that 
precociousness, that rebelliousness is earned because her father is Shahizi Sam Salihin Ashad. There's a relationship that the two of them have that isn't the standard Malay father, Malay daughter dynamic. So it almost feels like, oh, of course, Azura will be like that because for better or for worse, Salihin has given her a slightly longer leash. The father has, I can't think of the English word, but in, in Malay, he has layaned her a bit, which is also important because as Tok Hassan says, in that second sequence in the movie, where he is reprimanding the daughter in front of Shahizi Sam, when he says, you know, if you catch a wild bird and you feed it twice a day, eventually it no longer becomes wild. Implying that you need to be more stern with your daughter so that she loses these wild ways and becomes more Malaywood is Gina, right? And I think that's beautifully played. So the big dirty secret is that if you aren't Malay, most production houses and studios when they're making Malay movies don't care about you. You mm. are not the target audience. Yeah, They're not going to sell the movie to you. The movie is not written to cater to you in any way. Not that it should be, but the fact remains that because you aren't the target audience, these movies don't come across your radar. Yeah, They're not actually sold or marketed to you in any way or form. Mm -hmm. I've always thought that's a mistake. I've always thought that there are a number of great Malay and Malaysian movies that aren't seen by one segment of our population because they don't know of its existence. I think La Luna is a movie that appeals to every Malaysian and I think every Malaysian should watch this movie. It is a good movie. It is a fantastic story. I think it is a movie that reminds us of the kind of people we need to be as Malaysians. Yeah. And for that reason... You have to go out and watch this film. I know the Marvels is opening. I know you've got Disney's Wish coming later this month. But let me tell you, before you watch any of those, and we don't say this often, we think you need to buy a ticket to watch La Luna first. I agree. And I think if you're one of those people who I will never understand, but if you're one of those people that goes out to a mall on a weekend to go watch a movie without a ticket and then go there and find out that all the good seats have been taken at the Marvels and or Wish, I think this should be... I wouldn't call this your third movie to watch. I would say this is your second movie to watch. If your primary option isn't available, watch this. Take the kids. I don't know what the rating is for this movie, but take the kids. I think you should take the kids as well. I think they will enjoy this movie. I think they will learn something about who we are. Also, also... Don't wait for it to come on TV. No. Trust me yeah. when I tell you that this is a cinematic film. Yes. It is shot in a cinematic way and it looks beautiful on the big screen. I've seen it twice. Mm. I swear I noticed more things on my second watch and I enjoyed it more the second time. And I genuinely think I'm going to watch it a third time in cinemas when it opens this Thursday. I will definitely be going out to the cinemas to watch this again, I think. You should take your parents. I think they would enjoy this. I think my parents would love this. I think there's a real sort of... I know we've said it already, but there's a real sort of Piramni DNA in this film. Yeah, we keep repeating it because it's true, right? Because that's the thing, right? We talk about pop culture in Malaysia and there isn't a pop culture in Malaysia because there isn't a single piece of culture that unites all the races in this country with the exception maybe of Piramli and Lat. Yeah. I think those two things we can all get behind because otherwise... 
we're completely divided by race and language and religion and oh this content is made for you because you speak Tamil this one is made for you because you speak Hindi this one is made for you because you speak Cantonese or Hakka and Hokkien or different different Mandarin different yeah Malay different right so we're so segregated in that way but that P Ramli DNA is something that everyone is clamoring for it's mm. not to say that people haven't made great movies that aren't like P. Ramli. But I think we keep going back to the P. Ramli thing because we feel like it's a unifying factor. Yeah. I think Yasmin came the closest, maybe? Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably. And yeah. this may be blasphemous to say, but I think this movie is actually better written. I think Yasmin's movies had a certain element of saccharine. It was almost a little too cloying at times mm. because Yasmin's movies were always written and directed, I felt, with her rose-tinted glasses on what she wanted Malaysia to be. Yes. And I think this one is slightly more realistic. Yes. Because even at the climax of this, it took a lot for the talk to actually meet his comeuppance. It yeah. wasn't easy. Yes. And it yeah. almost makes sense when you look back at how long it took for Najib to get his comeuppance. It almost makes sense, right? Because... It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to just be told there was some injustice happening. Yes. And I think there is a sense of realism and groundedness in this movie as well. I, I mentioned the Pyramid's comparison. I always mention it in, in sort of like a heartbroken tone only because it feels disappointing that it has taken this long to get anywhere near this. The thing about the Yasmin Ahmad stuff is that that's her thing. And you're right, her rose-tinted glasses of what she wished. It almost feels like a different version of Malaysia. It's a multiverse of Malaysia thing that, that she's seeing or that she's hoping for. Whereas this does feel more immediately recognisable. This does feel immediately more accessible as well, right? I'm not done talking about this movie, but I think I'm officially done talking about the review because I, I don't know what else to say for me to not just keep repeating that you should go watch this fucking movie. Because this movie... Not only does it deserve to be watched, I think you, the audience, have put up with a lot of shitty local films that it's time that you get rewarded by a fan-fucking-tastic one. I feel the same about Hungry Ghost Diner. I felt the same about Imaginora. And I think this is up there for me. This is where Malaysia cinema could be. Or rather, this is where Malaysian cinema should be. These are the lessons we should have taken post Piramli, and these are the kind of movies we should have been making then. But okay, it's fine. 2023, we're making it now. I don't think we can say it enough times. Go and watch this movie. Go and watch this movie. It opens in Malaysian cinemas this Thursday. La Luna. Go watch it before you watch anything else. Once you do, reach out and talk to us about it. You know how to do that. GogglerMY, all of our social media feeds. You can email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. If you drop us a line on any one of those platforms, we'll send you a link to join our brand new Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.